Hey everybody, it's Lynn, and thanks for listening to one of my very first podcasts I've ever created. If you're hearing this message, that means that, yep, you guessed it, these are one of the first, and I am learning my way around the podcast world. I'm really excited to be going on this adventure and meeting new people, really learning about others, overcoming their own adversity, living life on their own terms, how they hustled or overcame or whatever that is. And it's a little scary to be putting myself out there. And so some mistakes have made. You'll hear some growth as the podcasts go on. I'm not a professional, but I'm learning and I'm really excited to be sharing these initial podcasts with you perfectly imperfect. So I hope you enjoy and I'm wishing you all the best. Ciao for now. Welcome to the Confessions of a Digital Nomad podcast. My name is Lynn Howard, an international speaker, consultant, coach, and you guessed it, digital nomad. And I want you to create a life on your terms. We always have a choice. This podcast is about hustle, perseverance, manifestation, and making it happen on your terms. In the end, how do you want to be remembered? Someone who had a life or someone who truly lived by their own design? We are not our circumstances. Our circumstances are a part of us. So join me as we create a life on our terms. Aloha, this is Lynn Howard with Confessions of a Digital Nomad podcast. And today I'm super excited to have Damon Burton on the phone with me today. Hi, Damon. What's up, Lynn? Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for being on. And you are calling in from Utah. Is that correct? That is correct. You got to love technology. And I'm still in Bangkok, everyone. So a little bit about Damon is he uh, owns SEO National. So he is an SEO guru. Um, he also is an author, a dad, and just an all-around great guy. Um, so Damon, can you tell us a little bit about you? Yeah, you stole my thunder though. So um, I'm an author, a dad. and <laughs> So um, I started, uh, you know, my background, I'll, I'll kind of mix uh, personal and, and business world. So I got into business world about 22 years ago. Um, you know, actually, let's go back even further than that. So I got into the world of web design, which translate, which ended up evolving into, as you said, SEO and internet marketing. The way I got into that is I grew up kind of lower middle class and it wasn't anything crazy, you know, um, like no sob store or anything. I just didn't have a lot of the tools and things that other, other people were exposed to at the time. And so I would take advantage of the computers that were available at school or the library because I didn't have them at home. And, and that really kind of get not having it. Of course, you're attracted to the things that you can't have. And so I, I took advantage of those things when I had the opportunity, which, um, you know, even in, in the beginning of junior high, middle school, I had a typing class and I was super excited about typing and I'm going to try and type 50 words a minute. And so that, that's kind of where I would say I was exposed to the infancy of computers, which led to web design and marketing. Um, and then as, as the, the way I started my company is... Um, at the time I did some web design on the side and I knew that, uh, my, my wife and I, we were recently married at the time. We've now been married for 14 years. And I said, at some point we'll have kids and 
we kind of took our time and we were married for five years before we had our kids. But kind of during that window of five years, I said, I'm going to grind things out now while I can because I don't want to grind them out as much later when I do have kids. Yeah. And I want to be able to have that freedom to be dad and not work in the middle of a Wednesday because there's a baseball game or karate or a dance recital or whatever it was. And, and so I really grinded it out at that point. Um, my wife at the time worked at the hospital and, and she would wake up at 3am to get to work at four o'clock. And so I, I said, well, why don't I do that? I'll get up at four o'clock too. And, and so while she was heading out the door, I'd jump up and, and work for, um, you know, five, six, seven hours before I'd start the day job. And then I do my day job. And at the time I was fortunate enough to work, I took a remote position for a company that was in Las Vegas and I was in Utah and I would knock out kind of my side hustle in the morning and then do my day job during the day and then go back to the side hustle in the afternoon. And I did that for, I don't know, a year or two. And I had an opportunity. The The Vegas company actually got shut down. They got into some legal trouble. And so I had a decision at that point. I could, mm. I could say, okay, I can go take a job or I have enough side hustle now. And, and this is, I would say this is the definitive moment where I decided I was going to go all in or not is because um, at the time I was making, I think 29,000 from the day job. And then I was making probably 20,000 on the side annually. Okay. And I said, okay, well, I'm making roughly 40 to 50,000 a year. Um, the day job takes up 80% of my time, but it only produces 60% of the income, give or take. Mm -hmm. So, so what if I, can I pay my bills if I don't go find a day job? And when I realized that, sure, that would suck to lose the disposable income and not be able to, you know, have as much freedom. At the time, I didn't have, we, you know, our only debt was like our mortgage and that was it. So okay. it wasn't this massive risk, um, but it was, it was certainly a calculated risk. And so at that point I said, okay, yeah, let's go all in and I'm not going to apply for a job. And I just freed up 80% of my time and I could focus on the side hustle, which led to me recovering that loss of income in probably two months. And then, um, here we are 14 years later and now I have a team of 20 and that's <laughs> the abbreviated version, awesome. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool. I, you know, there are a couple of things that stood out to me that I love that you said, first of all, uh, you know, your wife getting up already at three, three and out by four and you were getting up, you're like, screw it. I'm going to get up too. And they say that the most brilliant, successful minds get up and start working before 5 a.m. So they're already activated. And that's like, so I love that you said that. And I kind of want to talk a little bit about that, but also that you took action. Like you were not only working a full-time job, uh, even if it was remote, you did, you were creative with your time and did your side hustle as you called it. Although it was 40% of your income. Um, and you, you, you grinded, like you really hustled to, to make that work, which I love. And also you weighing out your time worth value to take the leap, which was incredible. But, you know, I find, and I have young 20 year olds as kids, uh, which we didn't discuss, uh, but yeah, I often talk to them and their friends about like, you have to be creative with your time. And they grew up seeing me be creative with my time, but kids nowadays and, and the, some of the younger generations, they, they, they want things given to them more. So I love that you like, you talk about that side hustle and like really putting in the time, even though you were working as well. Yeah, it's, you know, the 5am thing. Um, I have a love-hate relationship with that concept because I am not a morning person. Uh, it's, it's not, I'm not grumpy or anything. It's just what I wake up early on, on my own uh, outside of being an entrepreneur. 
probably not. <laughs> but the reason why I do it is because um, I feel like I feel like it sets the pace for the day. Because yeah. if I can get up at five and then I realize that there's a part of this equation that is luck or genetics or whatever, where I can just go down and start working. And so by the time eight o'clock hits, I've already knocked out a ton of work. And a lot of times I'll get more done in the two or three hours than I do the rest of the day before the phone starts ringing. And, um, you know, the kids come knocking on the office door and just whatever comes along throughout the course of the day. And so a lot of times I feel like, you know, every couple of weeks I'll, I'll quote unquote sleep in, you know, I'll get up like six thirty or seven. And then, and then I just think, how much more could I have got done in the last hour mm. or two? And it kind of puts me in a, not a funk, but it does the opposite and unsets the pace for the day. Yeah. And I really realized that I even took like a, a chronotype test recently where it says, you know, are you this, this sleep pattern, this sleep pattern, this sleep pattern, and all signs point to me being a night owl. But I just tried to find the balance of the, the problem I have with being a night owl is when I have, I want to, I want to, maximize my extra time when that extra time is not at odds with the option of spending that with my family. And Absolutely. so if I was to not wake up early, then the alternative would be to, you know, work at eight, nine, 10, 11 o'clock at night. But eight, nine, 10 o'clock at night is when I'm trying to read a book to my kids or fighting them to go to sleep. Yeah. And so I would eliminate that. And, and so it's kind of left me by process elimination by doing the morning thing. Yeah, well, I love that. And I also have a love hate, although I am a morning person. I, I typically, I mean, being in Bangkok or being a digital nomad, I have very creative hours. There are times where I'm doing 3am meetings just because I have yeah. to, because my clients are international. But with that being said, you made a good point is like two points. One is you understood, you made a choice. You understood the sacrifices on both sides and you made a choice that your family is important and that that you know you want that space and that time for that uh for them and you know getting up early even though you'd rather sleep in is something that is needed in order to to make your business happen in order to and i agree i get so much done there's sometimes where i'm like is it lunch yet and it's only 9 a.m <laughs> like mm-hmm. oh it feels like yeah. i've been working all day but um yeah. so I, I i love that um what about, uh, so you started in website, which you said it was about 20, 22 years ago in the website biz. Yeah, I got my first exposure to HTML and web design in 1998. Um, I was in, uh, I was a junior in high school and they came out, um, actually probably a little before that in, even in junior high, they came out with this, um, you know, little exclusive class of five or six students where we would design the school's lunch menu and and just these little (laughs) graphical things. But then throughout the course of that, then they came, they came in and said, Hey, there's this new thing called the internet and we've set you up with, yeah, we, and we would use a, we would use a connection called gopher. And so it was text only. I don't know if any, if you or any listeners are familiar with gopher, but it was a text only internet um, browser. And so um, there I was online reading, things wherever they were across the world. Um, and so that was when I was first exposed to it and then jump, jump ahead three or four years. And then in, in my junior year of high school, they said, Hey, uh, you know, we're going to take anybody that's anybody that's done these certain word processing classes, which I had done, you know, now we have this, we're going to be introducing web design, um, 
in the next year or two. And so we want to kind of like fill it out. And so there was this experimental class a little bit where there was maybe 10 students in it and they went over HTML. And what was super cool about it is you, back then commercial web design programs didn't exist. Dreamweaver didn't exist. WordPress didn't exist. Squarespace, BigCommerce, Shopify, none of that existed. And so you had to learn HTML by hand. And I am so grateful that I had the opportunity to go through that because nowadays when you work with those platforms, they don't, those platforms don't know if it looks ugly. They just do what you tell it to do. And mm-hmm. so having the skill set to go in and manually override HTML, I do that on a nearly daily basis. And you're sleeping. So that was really great. <laughs> yeah. And so awesome. I was exposed to that. And then my senior year, they came out with like a formal web design class. And back then it was adding as much color and animated GIFs as possible was the coolest thing because that. <laughs> that was new and you know, whoa, it's moving and sparkles were falling from the website. (laughs) And so uh, you would learn that. And um, so that's how I got exposed to it. And then over the years, I just kind of did it on the side. Really how I got into it, if if we really want to say how I genuinely got into web design is I started a car hobby website, car enthusiast website um, called Elite Rides. And I still have it. I've archived it. There's nothing there anymore. But uh, it ended up getting a lot of traction and traffic. And I said, well, that's cool. How do I get more traffic? And then uh-huh. I got into learning better design skills. And then I said, okay, well, how do I monetize this? And that's how I got into marketing. And so that's where my core skill set, its infancy started. And then uh, that's when the side hustle started after I had that competency that I started doing it on the side for other people's or my own little project websites. Uh, and then that lasted over the years until I had that opportunity with the remote position to say, okay, am I going to go all in or not? That's awesome. So the SEO kind of was floating around probably before we even knew anything about SEO. I mean, was SEO a thing back then? Yeah, I did SEO before I... Um, so the, there's probably two stories that come to mind. My my first... I was exposed to SEO, like the concept of it, as I started web design. So probably mm-hmm. even before it was an official term. But there was people that would talk about you know, how to show up higher on search engines. And I would do the basics. It certainly was not my main area of focus. But as I would build out a site, I would go, okay, it's best practice to do these things that these other people say. But then the where I kind of had my first, I guess you'd say commercial success with SEO is there's a lot of the listeners, especially in the US audience, will be familiar with the show The Bachelor by um, ABC mm. Network. And my wife would watch The Bachelor and she came in one night and said, Hey, it's season finale. Come watch it with me. So I was watching this with my wife and they announced who the, the next bachelor was going to be in a, in a couple months. And from watching the finales with her before, that seemed new. I thought that they would make you wait. And so I was curious who this guy was going to be. And I went and looked him up. His name was Andy Baldwin. And I couldn't really find much about him. And I got thinking, well, if I'm a guy that doesn't really watch The Bachelor and I'm already looking him up and I can't find anything, just imagine the disappointment that the diehard fans are going to run into when they go look him up. And so I said, why don't I make that? And that night I, I told my wife, I said, I'm going to be in here for like an hour or two. And I just cranked out a website, did whatever SEO basics I could. I built andybaldwin.net and I went and cataloged whatever publicly available pictures I could and bio information. And there was just you know a dozen or so little micro sites. And then I just kind of combined them all into one all-inclusive website. And it ended up outranking a billion-dollar media company and being the top site for this Andy Baldwin Bachelor guy. Put some ads on it, made thousands of dollars for That's only incredible. spending 
90 minutes. So there was that. And then that kind of piqued my interest in where I formally started kind of the, the agency side of it is I had my one of my design clients who's still a client 14 years later. They said, what do you know about SEO? And I said, well, I know enough that I'll do an experimental, uh, experimental campaign with you, but I don't know enough to feel confident to charge you for it. So how about I don't charge you anything, but if we hit these goals, then you owe me retroactively. And mm. we hit those goals. And so then that turned into a, a reoccurring retainer. And then I rolled that same concept out to a second client, worked really well. And so at that moment, I said, I'm going to be the SEO guy and, and just focused everything towards that. That's so cool. So just so listeners get it, like you totally launched the site, did all the SEO work for somebody who you don't know, and then pretty much contacted them and said, hey, like, look at this. <laughs> and that's kind of what got the ball rolling and you outranked. Um, you outranked billion dollar company or million dollar companies. Is that what you said? Yeah. So the Andy Baldwin site outranked ABC's bachelor site and ABC is a billion dollar media company. Insane. And then that snowballed, of course. I mean, you work with NBA teams and Shark Tank uh, businesses, as well as um, you've been in Forbes and in different high profile um, publications as well. So that 90 minutes was well spent, would you say? Yeah, it certainly exposed me to the possibilities, which <laughs> which gave me the the interest in trying other things. And I think what is probably valuable for the listeners with what's going on currently in the world with economics and the virus Absolutely. and all that stuff is what I took away in that experimental SEO offering to my design client is is really valuable and applicable to today as well. So if you think about it, what I did is, is I said, I'm going to take the, I'm going to take all the risk. You have the potential for all the reward. So I went to a design client. I said, I will optimize your website. Don't pay me anything, but essentially if you make money, then pay me. So you don't have anything to lose because if, if I don't get you to the top of search engines, you don't owe me anything. So they had no risk. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really applicable to today because what happened is that client worked well. And so I took that to another client and that worked well. And then, as I said, I said, I, I made intentional shift to focus on SEO at that point. And so as I grew my SEO portfolio, I could probably connect the majority of our clients today to some sort of referral from a previous client to a previous client to a previous client. So if you think about what I did and how that's applicable today is all I did is I, I gave somebody a chance and I took the risk for them. And so in today's world, whether you are, you know, nowadays people need to stretch their dollar further because of what's going on in the world, or they want to make sure it goes to somebody that they trust more, that's going to protect their dollar better. And so if you can go into businesses, whether it's, you know, web design, like I started or something totally different, even if you are, a hyper new entrepreneur and you're 16 and mowing lawns, then what you can do is you can go to the neighbors and the houses and say, look, everybody usually charges 30 bucks to mow your lawns, to mow your lawn. I'm going to do it for 15 and I'm gonna do it for 15 for 60 days. And then after that, you tell me if you like it and we'll, we'll continue to do it for, you know, 25 and, and the, there's opportunities to take that same concept to whatever the listener's business is and come in just to establish a relationship. Because once you establish that trust and you prove results, then you are welcomed into the inner circle 
of that person. And then that person exposes you to their other business owning owner friends and their other entrepreneurial Absolutely. friends. And so that has been the entire, for us being a marketing company, we do next to zero marketing for ourselves. And it's all, we, we've grown the seven figure agency almost entirely based on building relationships where people actually genuinely trust us because we've established a relationship and it's not just a, a dollar relationship. Absolutely. And if I could add to that, it's not just the relationship, but even more importantly with the relationship, the credibility, the results, the the connection, uh, you saw them, you took the risk, right? Um, so that's like putting yourself on the line um, for your client. And so it's almost like a sacrifice in a way. And so that's, that's beautiful. Um, what would you say if you had to give another piece of advice to the listeners today, because we are in such a, which that's a great nugget in itself, but we're in such a interesting times right now. And you started your business right before the recession. And so you got to see that recession in 2008. What is another big piece of advice that you would give to people either starting their business right now and, or, um, have their business right now that could help get them through this time? Uh, I'll kind of answer that a couple of different ways. The simplistic way is if you haven't started already, but you're waiting for the perfect time, it's, you know, starting a business is like having kids. There's, there's no perfect time. <laughs> so <laughs> like if you're waiting for something sure. magical, just start the freaking business. Now the, the bigger problem you briefly touched on this at the beginning of the call was uh, you know, when you're talking about youth and 20 year olds and they're waiting for things and wanting things to be handed to them. So once you start something, don't stop. Uh, I, mm. I, I become, it's honestly quite frustrating when you, once you reach a certain point of success, you, you want to give back and you want to help your fellow entrepreneur. But the frustrating part is as you do that, so many people take the advice and do absolutely nothing with it. Oh, yes. And, and so the problem is once you start, don't stop. The, the, the world of entrepreneurship and business success, whoever tells you it's easy it is full of crap. And <laughs> you know, social media glorifies entrepreneurship to an extent which it should. You should celebrate your wins. But the problem is, is you don't see the, the 10 years behind that it took for that person to post that fancy picture in front of that fancy thing. And so you have to, once you start, don't stop. So, okay, I could ramble about that. I'm going to stop there. That's the abbreviated answer. <laughs> well, so. I, I love that. And you know, it's funny. I, I can go on rants about social media and I'm, I'm becoming more active in my, my marketing managers over the years are like, you have to be more active. And I, I have my own hate, love relationship, love, hate relationship with social media. Cause exactly what you said, like people don't see the real, they see what you want them to see and, or what they want to see, which is true in one-on-one -on -one in relationships as well, which that's a whole other story. But with that being said, like there is, you know, to, to your story, they don't know how many 4 a.m. mornings that you, you, you sacrificed to be up putting in that hustle and how, how many times you did maybe have to make a sacrifice when it came to family as you were learning the balance. Because it does take, it's not overnight where you learn that balance and, and we're human, we make mistakes or things get caught up, but um, they don't see all of that. 
And so I, I love that you point that out because uh, there's, it's like the iceberg, right? They only see the top mm-hmm. of the iceberg, but there's so much underneath all that work, all that hustle. I appreciate Yeah. It. And there's even, uh, you know, one other comment to add on that, and then I'll kind of get to the, 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 the other answer of what people can do nowadays. But another thing that you'll realize as, at least for me and, and, other successful entrepreneur friends that we've talked about this topic tend to agree that as you find success, whether that is, you know, freedom of time or financial freedom or whatever your goal of success is, as you find that happiness, you'll find that 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 success changes the people around you more than yourself. And what's weird is haters are going to come with the territory, mm-hmm. um, and often they are closer to you than you expect. And one mm-hmm. example that always comes to mind is when to your point of the 4am mornings for a decade um there's people in my family and my extended family that know that i grow up lower middle class they themselves are still in the cycle of being lower middle class and when uh, it was about 10 years ago we bought my wife and I bought a new house and I moved around a lot when I was younger, every, sometimes it was every six months. And so it was from, you know, one family friends to another's basement. And so when I had a family, I said, I don't want to do that. And I want to be able to put down roots. And so when, when my first, so I have three kids now, when my first son was nine months old, we bought a house that was way bigger than we needed because I wanted to grow into it mm-hmm. and know that we'd have more kids and now it works out perfect because now each of my kids have their own bedroom. I have a home office and we have one guest bedroom. So it is no longer an oversized house. But the point of bringing this up is that the some of the same family members that saw exactly where I came from and did see me put in the 4 and 5 a.m. mornings, the first words out of their mouth when we had our Christmas party at our house because we moved into our new house three days before Christmas. And so <laughs> we we told the family, hey, we'll have the party at our house, but they didn't know we had moved yet. And so that was actually super cool because we had a crash course unpacking in three days and then we were done. <laughs> so Sweet. so anyway. <laughs> so we move in and the first words out of one of the family members' mouths was, I hate rich people. And uh, that still really disappoints me to this day because they did see me put in the time and they know exactly where I came from. And it's just unavoidable that you are going to have haters and doubters. And more often than not, they're going to be the people that you would think would be the opposite and it's going to hurt more. So, Absolutely. Um, I teach that you have to love those people from afar. It's a conversation I have a lot with. Uh, my clients also at the front of the stage as well that that happens yeah all right i know we're on limited time here yes. so let me give you that so, other tip and then you do. can tell me so th- something that can help nowadays with what's going on is is work on your social proof um because people want to build to do business with people they trust there's always been a mantra of you know, building relationships with your potential buyers, but it's more important now than ever. And so a, a good example of social proof is, is get on, get online, find, identify what your platform of choice is, where your audience is. So for me, that's, you know, LinkedIn and Facebook. It is not Twitter. It is not Instagram. It is not TikTok. And pick one and become an expert in that and get on there and give away your expertise for free. Like if you go look at my social posts, um, I give very specific answers to SEO problems. I, I help and I help and I help and I 
almost never have a call to action. So I will get on there and say, here's an SEO problem. Here's the fix. The end. It's not go download my thing, sign up for my email list. It's none of that. And what that does is when when I get on social media, I do not live in the private messages and the DMs. I when I connect, you know, a lot of people will be familiar, you get on LinkedIn and and within 10 seconds of accepting a request, it's hey, buy my thing. So I do the opposite. I connect with people and then I, I flat out tell them in the connection message, that's a wrap. Like I'm not going to bug you anymore because I, I want them to be exposed to my content and I don't want to hit them up for a sales pitch. And what happens is, as you build that social proof up, then you become the expert, the subject matter expert in your audience's mind. And then you're always top of mind and they're subconsciously building a relationship with you. And you can't force somebody to need a thing. But what you can do is influence when it does come time for them to need that thing that they remember you have the solution for it. And so you have better buyers and uh, that you would prefer to work with and it brings down the sales walls. I, I am not a salesy person. I don't like the... I can be, but it's just not who I am and I don't want to mm-hmm. do it. And so this whole process allows people to come to you and, and at that point, they already have a relationship with you. They know your expertise and then they just say here's my money. Where do we start? Oh, I love that, Damon. Uh, Great, great, great nuggets today for the audience. So just to give a quick recap before we wrap it up is, um, you know, creative with your time, definitely get creative with your time. Uh, Understand your time worth value. I know you didn't use that term. That's my term, but definitely knowing where you want to spend your time is and how you want to spend your time. If it's with family, then maybe you need to get up at 4 a.m. So that way you can have those evenings for your family. Um, Social proof, I love that. You are very relationship forward and you set great context. Like you you know that, you know, this is, you just building the foundations and the fundamentals and being there when they do need you, uh, which I absolutely love. And um take action. <laughs> uh, yeah. Definitely take action and don't wait and don't just learn, be doers. Don't just absorb and hear and be lifelong learners, uh, be doers as well. So, um, and I know that I have more points scribbled all over my notes, but it's in light <laughs> green and it is almost 11 o'clock at night. So I just have a little light on just cause I don't want to wake up everybody. But, um, but I just really appreciate any, any last thoughts. I, and what I would say is because this is about also, you know, living your best life and, um, living a life on your terms and, and, uh, overcoming obstacles and persevering, you know, any last thoughts that you might have for somebody, um, to leave with before we go ahead and close out. Become a fan of delayed gratification. Um, yes. because if you understand the concept of, you don't have to do these brutal sacrifices, a sacrifice. Yes, probably, but it doesn't have to be painful. So be willing to put in a little bit of time. There's like, I'm not a big like quote kind of, kind of person and I'm not, I don't really follow anybody. Um, but there is a quote by Grant Cardone that says something along the lines of pay the price today so you can pay any price tomorrow. And I think that's a really good way of looking at things where sure does that one thing that kind of sucks and is mildly inconvenient now. Um, it does it have a, a multiple reward out a little bit later that is pretty tangible? 
then it's probably worth doing that sucky thing now. So just, you know, take, take the hit, get it over with, have the delayed gratification and thank yourself later. Absolutely. You can't agree with that more. And guys, if there was no better time, now is the time with our world in the state that it's in. And this is a time for you to really dig deep and figure out, okay, what work do I want to put in? What laser focus do I want to have? What is my expertise that I can give away for free, for free and start putting in the work? Just take action, just one step at a time. So Damon Burton, thank you so much. Uh, Damon Burton, again, is from SEO National, and his website is damonburton.com. And if you actually friend him on LinkedIn or go on, um, he does have a free uh, downloadable book, and it's www.freeseobook.com, which we really didn't even get into the SEO stuff, just a little bit. But I appreciate your time today, Damon. And um, yeah, any... Anything else that the listeners should know that I might have forgotten to say about you? About me? No, I'll just leave you with go do the thing. Whatever that thing is, just go do the freaking thing. (laughs) Just go do it. Just do it. (laughs) Awesome. Again, this is Lynn Howard with Confessions of a Digital Nomad podcast. And I look forward to next time. Thanks, Damon. Thanks, Lynn. Thanks for tuning into Confessions of a Digital Nomad podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe today so that way you'll get notifications every time a new episode is available. And if you feel so inclined, please leave us a review. And if this podcast moved you or feel it can move someone else, please share it with them today. I'm Lynn Howard, signing off from somewhere in the world. Till next time.